2: You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. It is our first show of 2023. My name, of course, is Alex Reamer, and we have, oh, do we have a lot to delve into today. Two big guests, Michael McCarthy covers sports media for front office sports. Ryan Glass Spiegel covers sports media for the New York Post, and they are on to discuss all things DeMar Hamlin and all the coverage surrounding that. On Monday Night Football, Bills-Bengals, one of the biggest games of the year. ESPN had it live, and early in the first quarter, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin went down on the field, collapsed, suffered from cardiac arrest, CPR, stretcher, taken in an ambulance to the hospital, and... You know, it sounds grotesque to say this, but we see this happen with some frequency in the NFL, players collapsing on the field, players getting taken off in stretchers. But what made Hamlin different from the get-go was, number one, he was standing and then he fell, so he didn't fall immediately after contact. And number two, I saw the look on his teammates' faces, Steph Diggs, Josh Allen in particular. Uh, These guys looked really, really concerned. About this situation and whether Jamar Hamlin was going to make it. As of Wednesday, he's still in critical condition, but making positive progress, according to one of his representatives. So, on Monday night, when this happened, from a media standpoint, all the focus was on ESPN because, of course, they were covering the game live. But then Skip Bayless, as he often does, stole the show uh, with an ill timed, insensitive, and inappropriate tweet. Uh, he sent off a couple tweets wishing DeMar Hamlin well, sending his thoughts and prayers. But then he wrote this, his third tweet of the night. Quote, No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, dot, 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 which suddenly seems so irrelevant. What's made matters worse is Bayless has addressed this tweet on FS1, On a couple of occasions, he addressed it for nearly 20 minutes Tuesday. He was alone. Shannon Sharp did not show up. More on that in a moment. And in those 20 minutes, he failed to apologize for his tweet, for the timing of his tweet, for none of it. And then on Wednesday, Shannon came back and just one minute into his monologue about DeMar Hamlin, he mentioned that he disagreed with Skip's tweet and hopes Skip takes it down, to which Skip interrupted and replied, no, I'm not taking it down. I stand by what I said. And then Shannon complained about not being able to talk at all on that show without getting interrupted. Uh, Michael McCarthy of Front Office Sports reported this week that Shannon and Skip's relationship is at, quote, an all-time low. And anybody who's seen that opening segment on Undisputed Wednesday, I think would be inclined to agree with that. But real quick, Skip Bayless. um, This is not the worst thing he's ever said. Not by a long shot. I mean, this is a guy who just a couple years ago was mocking Dak Prescott for publicly admitting that he suffers from depression. I wasn't even aware of this, but five days after 9-11, someone posted this on Twitter. Skip Bayless wrote a column in the San Jose Mercury News lambasting athletes for not distracting him from the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil If that happened today, I don't care who wrote that column, they would be out in a second. Trolls could get away with a lot more before social media. But my thing on Skip Bayless is, because of his odious, decades-long track record of saying inappropriate and offensive and outlandish and ridiculous things, nobody is willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and this is a lifetime achievement-type pylon. There is a pylon here, and the pylon does not match what Skip Bayless actually tweeted, but the pile on is for, again, his odious 20 plus year track record, not apologizing, doubling down, interrupting Shannon Sharp on Wednesday. That is why Skip Bayless is facing all this blowback. And the question is, and I ask Michael and Ryan about it, two guys who are plugged in and know, could this be the end of Skip Bayless at Fox Sports? Because as I mentioned though he's said a lot more controversial things in the past, at least from my vantage point, the reaction here just seems a little bit different. So is, so is this the end of Skip? Is this the end of Skip and Shannon? We talk about that. We also talk about ESPN's coverage and the in contra- the back and forth between the NFL and Joe Buck. Joe Buck said four times during the broadcast Monday night, the NFL had originally given the teams, Bills and Bengals, five minutes to warm up. The NFL, in a conference call at midnight, Troy Vincent denied that and said that was, quote, ridiculous and insensitive. Uh, ESPN, though, has issued a statement backing up Joe Buck. The Westwood One call of the game, the broadcasters also mentioned on the radio, the five-minute warm-up period. My take is (laughs) the NFL at first was considering a five-minute warm-up period and resuming the game, and Joe Buck was relaying what he was hearing. ESPN and the NFL our multi-billion dollar business partners, ESPN pays the NFL $2.6 billion per year to broadcast Monday Night Football. There is no way, no way, that Joe Buck would risk all of that to spread some innuendo during one of the more jarring moments you will ever see on an NFL field or in a game period. There's no way that happened. So in that, Joe Buck the NFL. I side with Joe Buck 110% of the time. But by the way, I mean, the NFL, look, it took them nearly an hour to postpone the game. I think we all agree that was too long. But this was an unprecedented situation. I mean, players, as I mentioned, get carried off the field in stretchers. It happens. And it's gross. And it's grotesque. But it's one of the things we've accepted when it comes to watching football and watching the NFL. And every other time, the game has continued. This was an unprecedented situation. I think people going after the NFL are just looking to go after the NFL. I think the NFL did what they could. They made the right decision. And we'll see what happens from here. But again, in regards to NFL v. Joe Buck, yeah, I'm siding with Joe Buck. I think the NFL did originally plan to continue the game. There's no way that Joe Buck would have spread unfounded conjecture during that time. Just no way at all. All right. Those are my two opening takes. You'll hear more of that throughout this episode with Michael McCarthy and Ryan Glass-Spiegel. They're coming up next on the other side of this short break. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you for listening. And once again, Happy New Year. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? And welcome back to the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. As I said in the open, big, big show today. Our first of two guests is one of our first of two returning champions, Michael McCarthy, covers sports media for front office sports. Michael, how are you? Happy New Year.
2: I'm great. Happy
1: New Year and great to be back. Yes, great to have you back. Um, So yeah, let's get right into it. You wrote about Skip Bayless and DeMar Hamlin, and you had a, a really interesting nugget in your piece about the status of Skip and Shannon's relationship, which I think we saw Uh, at the start of their show Wednesday morning. I'll get to that in a moment, but first let's just start here with, I guess, the big picture question that I've been wondering. Uh, Skip Bayless, as we know, has said a lot of awful things and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, really controversial things for quite some time, but the blowback here for me feels a little bit different. Do you think that Skip Bayless has finally crossed the line. And as I wrote today, could this be the end of him as an on-air guy at Fox?
2: Uh, I think he, he has finally crossed the line, but I don't think it's the end of him as an on-air talent at Fox. Uh, when you look at FS1's daily lineup, who else do they have? You know, Craig Carton, you know, recently in jail for a Ponzi scheme. Uh You know, it's basically Skip and Colin. They're the anchors. Mm. Uh, So besides Colin Cowherd, I mean, if they're going to get rid of Skip, who are they going to replace him with? The other thing, too, is remember, this is Fox. (laughs) Right. Remember when Fox used to run those schlocky TV shows and they'd say, you can only see it on Fox. That's right. Because nobody else would put anything like that on. I mean – You know, Skip being a troll who crosses the line and outrages people is built in to Fox's business plan. That's what they want him to be. That's how they use him to attract viewers. So, uh, you know, I I think, you know, the outrage over his comments the other night were genuine. But do I think, you know, it will affect his career at Fox? No, I Mm. don't.
1: Well, I, my question is what are Undisputed's ratings? Are they, is that the most highest rated show on FS1? Uh,
2: I think it pulls in about a hundred K uh, a day. It's been lapped by Stephen A. Smith and first take uh, Stephen A. Smith was Skip Bayless's former partner on first take. And uh, Stephen A. Smith has just, you know, exploded past uh, his old mentor, Skip Ballis. Uh but, uh, you know, those numbers are, are actually pretty good for FS1 and pretty good for a daytime show that has almost no production costs whatsoever besides salary for Skip and Shannon and uh, Jen Hale. So, uh, you know, all in all, I, I think if you're FS1 and you're trying to, you know, build a network and build some leaded studio programming, they would... Uh, point to undisputed as one of their biggest successes. Hmm.
1: That's interesting because, I mean, just from my vantage point, like we know that Skip is a carnival barker, cartoon character troll, has been for so many years. I mean, for such a long duration of his career. But I just felt like, you know, that tweet after Jamar Hamlin, it wasn't the worst thing he said by far, but just so ill-timed, wondering how the NFL can postpone this game. And then I think even more egregiously refusing to apologize just to me. It comes across more than ever as just so corny and just over the top. And listen, I used to be a talk show host, as you know, so I'm definitely down for over the top wrestling characters as right, putting right. their sports takes. But I don't know, Skip. It, this one just seemed like, ugh, like can we drop it down a little bit? But as you said, I guess um, I guess people still are watching him more than anything else they have.
2: Yeah. I think you make an excellent point and it's a point that really hasn't been explored that much. Uh, His tweet was not that bad. Right. You know, and he tried to clarify it, but the problem with Skip Bayless is he's been a troll for so long. Nobody's willing to give him the better for the doubt. And when he dropped that tweet at a, at a moment when the entire country was frozen, you know, hoping that this young man could live that, you know, the poor kid is literally on the field fighting for his life and Skip is worried about the schedule and playoff seedings. It it, it was just beyond obtuse, you know, beyond crass. I mean, however way you want to put it. So, you know, even though his tweet wasn't that bad, I think the reaction was justified. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's a point I wanted to make too. I think this is really about Skip's overall body of work. You go back to a couple of years ago, uh, belittling Dak Prescott for admitting he suffers from depression. Uh, I saw someone tweet the other day, Michael, that Skip Bayless five days after 9-11 wrote a column in the San Jose Mercury News lambasting athletes for you know, not talking about sports and not giving him a distraction, which if he wrote that today, I think anybody would be fired. No questions asked. Um, so yeah, I really think this is much more about the body of work and the tweet itself, because as you said, the tweet itself, he said much worse.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. It's the body of the work. It's the fact that he's deliberately been a troll for so long that even if this wasn't the worst thing he said, you know what I mean, just the timing of it was so bad and so Skip ballast like so Skippian uh, to, to drop that little turd into the punch bowl, you know, just set people over the edge. I mean... This wasn't just, you know, an the internet. These are athletes calling him out. Right. Uh, you had Scott Ackerson, the former Fox right. vice president, who, who dropped this expletive film. Crazy. You know what I mean? Crazy tweets that basically, you know, said, God's curse on you, Skip, Gale- Skip Bayless, and I'm ashamed that I ever work for a network that's paying you millions of dollars. So, yeah, I mean, this was not just some ginned up, controversy. I mean, you, you had literally people across the spectrum, you know, famous people, athletes, executives, uh, media people you know, condemning uh, what he did. And you know what I mean? And rather than Skip, you know, trying to, you know, be human about it, you know, as we all know, he doubled down. I'm not going to take down the tweet. I'm not going to apologize. And then, you know, yesterday he goes on his show and he paints himself as the victim. Right. Uh, somehow he's the put upon one. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it all a work? Is it a con? Is it really him? I, you know, I think it's a little of, of all of them. I think they're all true. Uh, I've met Skip. I've interviewed him uh, in person. You know, he's kind of likable. Uh, but you do get the sense that what you see is what you get. Uh, you know, this is a guy who believes he's right about everything. And nobody can tell him otherwise
1: and i and I've read I, I you know many interviews with Skip over the years, and this is a little separate from our conversation now, but he just seems like such a weird guy i mean doesn't he eat like chicken and rice and broccoli every night of the week? He still lives on East Coast time, even though he lives in Los Angeles now. He just comes across as like the most the, the biggest hardo I think you could ever imagine. <laughs> Which adds to some of the distaste, at least for me, yes, you know
2: he's, he's he's kind of like a human cartoon, you're right, I mean like he eats the same uh you know meal every every night, you know, uh Ernestine his wife, who's a lovely, wonderful person, you know what I mean, has to you know wait on date night and weekends until right. the Laker game is over, so he can batch you know Lebron uh. He's 71 years old, but, you know, you can see the guy's fit as a flea. Uh, you know, he's in terrific shape mentally and physically. So this is what he lives for. He lives to be Skip Alice. He lives to, you know, see his name trending. He lives to get this kind of, you know, uh, slack uh, where, you know, he feels like the world is against him and, you know, he's got his back to the wall and he's going to be the truth teller. So, yeah, this is par for the course. Uh,
1: And and the crazy thing is, too, Tuesday night, he goes right back to live tweeting NBA games, which is just just nuts. But he follows nobody on Twitter either, so he literally tweets in an echo chamber. Um, Let's get to this, too, Michael. You had some new reporting in your piece on front office sports. What is the status of Skip Bayless's relationship with Shannon Sharp?
2: Well, um, we had heard uh, for a while now that the partnership was deteriorating. And even before this blow-up, we heard that the relationship between Skip and Shannon had reached an all-time low, uh, to use the quote from uh, one of our uh, sources. Uh, and you know, now you throw this into it, and you really have to question how long you know, these two are going to remain uh, on air together. Uh, I mean, th- these shows are like a marriage. Uh, Stephen A. eventually broke up with uh, Kellerman uh, on first take. And, you know, Skip and Shannon have been together for six years. That's actually a very, very long and impressive run. But, you know, these things tend to run their course. And uh, I I think you saw us a month ago when, you know, Skip basically insulted Shannon to his face. Right. Right. Uh, over the Tom Brady thing, you know, he's like, "You're not as ever, you're not as good as Tom Brady, you never will be," and and Shannon kind of blew a gasket, and then you you saw it with Shannon deliberately choosing not to go on the air with Skip uh, on Tuesday when the whole world was against Skip, and then you saw it really incredibly today. I thought it was incredible television, where you know Skip didn't even let Shannon speak for more than a minute before he interrupted him right. and insulted him. Yeah. And, you know, at, at that point, I, I actually thought, you know, Shannon might have walked off the set. Yeah. So yes, it, it, Alex, there's trouble in paradise. Uh, the relationship is deteriorating. You know, can it be saved? Sure. Uh, you know, they, they, they both have, you know, billions of reasons in their contract to stay together uh, on a show, which is still successful. But, you know, people are people. And it wouldn't surprise me if they broke up.
1: So, and my last thing on this, this has been floated around in some areas of the internet. But you're saying that there's this is not staged. Because I saw some people say, oh, I never know with these guys. But, I mean, I saw it Wednesday. That looked very real and uncomfortable. You're saying that yeah. what we saw is actually what's going on.
2: Here, here's why I don't think it's staged. I mean, I think a lot of the things you see on these shows are staged. Uh, you know, they're kind of a pro-wrestling work. Here's why I don't think it was staged and why I don't agree that this is all a con. If this was staged, then Shannon Sharp should have been on the air on Tuesday. Right. Right. Because undisputed and first take get their biggest ratings the day after the, the NFL week is over, right? Tuesday. So they can analyze all the games. Skip can praise the Cowboys. Stephen A can bash the Cowboys. Ha ha ha. You know, let the ratings tumble in. So, you know what I mean. For him to skip that day, you know what I mean, uh, is important. Also, I mean, this you're talking about a Pro Football Hall of Fame here, Alex. I mean, if any day was poised to use mo- to generate monster ratings, it would have been the day after the NFL literally came to a halt in concern over one man's life. Right. You know I mean? So, if it was staged. You know what I mean, then the move would be to get Shannon Sharp in there, not right. to let him walk away from right. the show. I'm, right. Actually, I'm hearing that the the executives at Fox were not pleased that he didn't show up because of that reason. You know, mm. th- this was the opportunity for, you know, maybe an all time rating for the show. Mm. So uh, that's why we've been staged. The other thing, too, is we all get a little too full of ourselves on Twitter. We all think <laughs> we're so small. <smokey>. No way. <laughs> we're still dealing with people. You know what I mean? We're still dealing with egos. You know what I mean? Sometimes people do the right thing. Sometimes people do the wrong thing. Sometimes even if it's against their self-interest, they just had enough. You know, it's like a marriage. I, I can't stand you anymore, and I'm moving out. And, you know, so I think that you have a point. I think a lot of the things on these shows are staged. But what we saw this week on Undisputed was not.
1: And we'll see if Shannon walks off. He seemed awfully close Wednesday. Michael McCarthy, insight appreciated as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ryan Glass Spiegel is on the horn now. He joins us from the New York Post. Uh, Ryan, how are you? Welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Alex. I appreciate it.
1: Yes, of course. Uh, so obviously, thought you would be one of the best people to talk to, but all this DeMar Hamlin coverage. Um, I just got off the phone with Michael McCarthy, who wrote yesterday on front office sports that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharpe's relationship is a quote, an all time low. So let's just start with, with that. What do you think after the tweet and the non-apologies and the very tense start to their show Wednesday, what do you think is a, the future of Skip at FS1 in the future of Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp working together on undisputed?
0: So Skip is about halfway, a little bit over halfway through a four-year, thirty-two million dollar contract at Fox um, that my colleague Andrew Marshan reported about in May of 2021, but it had started a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to see him going anywhere in the immediate term. It does seem, from the outside, and just from you know private conversations, and from McCarthy's reporting, that the relationship between Sharp and Bayless is at an all-time low. Where it goes from here, anyone's guess. I mean, would Shannon leave the show to do something else? I, I, As I said, I think Skip is there at least for like through, you know, summer of 2024. And so mm-hmm. or until summer of 2024. So I don't know if like that counts as like near term or whatever in your book. But I don't think he's going anywhere before like the end of like next
1: football season. So there's no danger of this tweet. And I think you tweeted this too. Skip Bayless has said much worse in his career. And I really think that the reaction to his tweet Monday night is about his overall body of work versus what he tweeted. But this outrage is continuing and it's real genuine outrage. So, but you think there's no danger that this would be the end for Skip Bayless at, at Fox?
0: No, I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it's quite—it's an interesting question. Like, how important is FS1 in the long term of Fox's strategy? But at least right now, Skip and Colin are the building blocks of FS1, and they wouldn't be able to replace Skip with anyone who drives anywhere near the type of audience that he does. And Again, like I don't like Fox isn't a company that just bows to the demand of the mob, especially when the mob isn't in the right. And so, you know, like this is like a company that employs Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. Like the the vitriol that Skip brings about is like
1: nothing compared to that. And you think that, and you just insinuated you think that this controversy is overblown with skip Bayless. he's getting too much heat
0: yeah i mean i've i've read his tweet a thousand times now like i don't see exactly what he did wrong like he i'll read it again um so he said this is the one that everyone's mad about but it was sandwiched between like other thoughts so he wrote no doubt the nfl is considering postponing the rest of this game but how this is late in the season. A game of this magnitude is crucial to regular season outcome. Dot dot dot, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And he had written two very compassionate tweets about him when before that, and then right after it, he clarified and said nothing is more important than that young man's health. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Again. Everything else is irrelevant. I prayed for him and will continue to. Now, it's like, you know, everyone was just understandably so emotional in that moment and that it just became like something of a pile on where I don't think that the audience was like understanding that Skip in this case actually did have a lot of empathy for Jamar Hamlin. And this may be the only time I've ever seen him jump out of this sports fantasy world bubble that he lives in where he's just so right. monomaniacally focused on sports. And this was
1: the only time I've actually ever seen him leave it. I mean, cause he follows literally nobody on Twitter he tweets inside of an echo chamber, Skip Bayless. He really does. He
0: has to see his mentions, though, especially yeah. I mean, like there's no way he's not at least clicking like, you know, the verified tab of his mentions to see how people react to him. And I'm sure that now he's also checking kind of the view count or whatever. By the way, Twitter claims that 163 million people saw his tweet. No. On, um the the one that like everybody's piling on about. I call shenanigans on that. That's like I agree. half the country. There's no way.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's one of Elon's tools to make us think that our tweets are more visible than they are, right? I mean and all that view count is BS across the board, I think, right?
0: it's gotta be um some combination of like directional where like the ones that have those enormous view counts really are viewed. A ton, but I think it's right. also embellished.
1: Yeah, I think it's embellished too. I think if you just like scroll past it on a timeline, it counts as a view. If that wasn't even seen, uh, who knows? But I want to move on to ESPN and their coverage of the situation Monday night and beginning with Joe Buck and this kind of back and forth with the NFL. The NFL says a five minute warm up time after Hamlin went down was never talked about, never in consideration. But I don't know, Ryan. I mean, I find it very hard to believe that Joe Buck would peddle uh, just, you know, innuendo at a situation like this. The NFL and ESPN, as we know, multi-billion dollar business partners. I just I just don't see that being possible. Uh, with yeah, take it's on been,
0: this. You know, the, there is a show goes on mentality like the WWE pay-per-view went on when Owen Hart died. Right. Um, the this hasn't happened in the NFL for over like 50 years. Usually when we see one of these like, you know, very scary moments, we at least get the thumbs up on the way out of the stretcher. We didn't get anything close to that. Like it was very clear, even in the moment, like viewing at home that the people on the field were very concerned that Tamar Hamlin had died. Uh, You know, there, there's no way the NFL is telling the truth. Like, the first of all, it's not just Joe Buck saying it. Um, ESPN PR issued a statement basically backing up Buck. Uh Timothy Burke, um, the old Deadspin writer, he published um audio of like the Westwood One broadcast where they had the same intel. Mm, okay. Michael Silver, who worked for the league uh um, right. in NFL media now he's a writer out in San Francisco he said basically he backed up bucks account with independent sourcing so um you know i just the the NFL i think probably realizes that they were wrong in their immediate quest to want to continue the game but like you know it is enormous stakes. Like the number one seed in the AFC is at stake. Like there, there's all sorts of different like permutations between like fantasy football finals and gambling. Like uh, no question, DeMar Hamlin's survival takes precedence over all of that. But like, you can see why this is like, this is one of the biggest games of the year. And it was not kind of like, you know, Houston Texans versus Indianapolis Colts week seven. Um, So like, I can see why skip was like processing these thoughts like this in real time because you're like, there's no way to resume this game without totally messing up the playoffs. Um, They, like if if they were like the, the NFL statement said, no decision has been made about whether to resume it later. If they resumed it after week 18, when could they even do it? Like next Thursday and then hold right. First round Playoffs, playoff Monday, games yeah. the following like Monday and Tuesday, they have a Monday one, but this is going to impact not just two teams. It's four teams that it would impact. And so I I don't know how um, they're going to be able to resume it. And I'm fascinated to see how they like adjudicated in the records.
1: And that's a really interesting point that you brought up. I mean, obviously it goes without saying that DeMar Hamlin's health and well-being is more important than anything else, than any playoff scenario, game rescheduling. But, you know, people in sports media are paid to talk about. The sports. And if you are an NFL analyst, a big topic as the week goes on, I think will be, how does this shake out? How does this affect the playoff picture? And like I said, you know, nobody wants to step in it and be accused of the person who is brushing over Damar Hamlin's situation. But like you said this is a legitimate topic and you are paid to talk about this stuff. And there's obviously a time and a place, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. this, this is a legitimate like, conversation. You know, I would
0: say though, if you look at like, the thing is, is Skip doesn't tweet in threads. He just fires them off right. and hits yeah. send. If his whole thing was like a thread, it might've been construed differently rather than as a standalone tweet, where again, he did. You know, say that that like all of that is meaningless, but it's it is really kind of wild to see because there were like, you know, Sauce Gardner was calling for Skip's job, and it's yeah. like I don't know. I, I think as you said, it was a little bit of like a lifetime achievement award where Skip has yes. aggravated so many people for so long that Everyone just wants to see his scalp and, you know, emotions are running high in this moment, understandably. But in this case, yeah, I I don't think he did. I do want to return to something with Shannon because um, him, him as like a standalone media entity without Skip is like very interesting idea because, you know, he had a media career before Undisputed and it wasn't nearly As successful as he was, he was
1: kind of mocked on CBS's NFL pregame. No, he got he
0: got dropped from that over. You know, I'm not prepared on all the details, but he had first of all, like he people didn't love his commentary. Second of all, he had like a number of off camera domestic allegations that like surfaced at the same time, and I don't know if any of them were like ever adjudicated in a conviction or anything, but those were hovering over him. And he was at ESPN like he I think he worked with Skip like filling in for Stephen A on first take a little bit. And that was like how the idea of the partnership was born. But ESPN wasn't clamoring to like sign him to a full time deal when they had him in their building. And so, um, you know, Skip has had the most success in his media career work. I mean, Shannon has had the most success in his media career career working with Skip, and I don't know, I think that he's like, I think S- Shannon could drive like big digital audiences with like a podcast and like a YouTube channel, but I'm not sure that he could have as much of an impact on linear television away from Skip. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. His uh, his statements on like intersection between sports and race, I think generally do really well online. So I agree. I think he could go more towards that kind of route. Um, my last question for you, Ryan, is to return to ESPN. They were in the spotlight this week too. How do you? How do you think you did? They did overall Monday night and Tuesday, uh, covering this story.
0: So the criticism I got privately from someone who's very sharp is ESPN this is what he said. This so he said ESPN knew this game was going to get postponed, but they left kind of um, Buck Aikman, Lisa Salters, Booger McFarwin, Susie Colbert and Adam Schefter twisting out there with nothing new to say to keep getting ad breaks in, on the Monday Night Football right. telecast so that they wouldn't have to pay make goods to advertisers because they mm. don't think this game is going to get made up. This is going to be like probably – it's going to possibly be the fourth biggest ESPN telecast of the year after the college football semifinals and the finals. Like I think this game, if it had gone close the whole way, probably would have been the top-rated Monday Night Football game of the year So also probably like, I don't know, it wouldn't, it would have come close to some NBA finals numbers. And so, um, you know, it would have been at worst top 10 broadcast between ESPN and ABC of the year in terms of viewership. And if you look at like what they make and ads just from those three hours, it's enormous and all of that, or at least, you know, two thirds of it now goes by the wayside. But Mm -hmm. I, if it were me, I don't know. I can't put myself in their position and what I would have done. I think the broadcasters all handled it. Great. Um, yeah. you know, not well, the whole world is watching them waiting to pounce on like the slightest negative thing right. that they say. And I didn't see that happen with any of them. Um, I saw people, there's some pushback to like Ryan Clark on sports center, but I thought he did a good job. Today. I thought he was great. It's a very emotional moment. And I don't – I you know, I, I like to think, like, if I was in charge, could I have done a better job? I doubt it. You know, if I was a broadcaster, could I have done a better job? Definitely not. So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed with, like, the tone. It, it was, you know, it was a little bit redundant because they kept coming back to, like, Susie Booger, and Schefter with, like, no new information. And they right. would just kind of have to say the thing that they said in the last segment. Right. So I don't know if they could have, you know – Brought in Steve Young or Randy Moss right. or whatever, like yeah, whatever, other people. Just so you're getting not a total rehash, but right. um, the people that they tasked with it were doing, I think, a very good job.
1: Yeah, that would be my one criticism. They have so many ex NFL players, you know. I would I would assume ready to go on Zoom at any moment. I would like to hear some new voices. But like you also said, in that moment especially. Everyone, and rightfully so in today's climate, at ESPN especially, so afraid of saying the wrong thing. Like I totally understand why Booger and everyone else was just like, you know what? Like, I'm not I'm not even I'm not going anywhere with this. I'm not touching this. I'm just saying the most basic thing I can say and get out of the way, you know?
0: I I thought Booger was pretty profound actually. Like he was the first person to say, you know, they're not gonna continue this game. He he went there before anybody else would, but um, yeah, it, when, once they had been, you know, once they had done two or three segments, did we need like the fourth and the fifth right. with the same people? I don't know. It was tricky, but that the uh, overall, like I'll give ESPN's coverage of this and A, it's an impossible spot, and they did about as well as like anybody could reasonably expect of them.
1: Yes, definitely unprecedented. Ryan Glass thanks for the time. Great. Thanks as for
0: having me, Alex. Talk soon.